Potter Who Cast. Uh, do you want to hear a joke? Yes. Okay. How did the shellfish get out of his terrible job? How? He realized the contract had a crab clause. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Um, hello and welcome to Potter Whocast, where we talk about crab claws, because it's about crabs this week. Uh, you, I'm David, and you know the gist. We just talk about this bloody show uh, on and on and on, and this endless struggle towards uh, Tortured Series 2, I guess. And That's K-9. what we're working towards, yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. That, that is what. We always started a show to do Tortured Season 2. Um, so, as I said, I'm David, and we're, we're going to the fast lane this week, because we have three people including myself. Um, who are my other passengers in this endless quest? I'm Michelle. We're going to a forgotten Fox one-season TV show. Okay. There's, and there's, I'm, I'm, I'm Adam, and I think I'm covered in white for some reason. <laughs> we should talk about that guy. So, like, what was his deal? The white guy and the red guy, were they played by the same actor? They have to be oh, sure. <laughs> hold on, I gotta find out because that's that would actually be really funny. I mean, listen, can we just start things off by saying hats off to the production design people? I mean, yeah. we we all know BBC does not make big budgets. See, but uh, but God, you will not tell be able to tell from this episode because they really they really went all out. Yeah, um, the well, we should probably talk about the. Background as well, but also want to say we that we also the, haven't said which episode we're doing, have we? Yes. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Gridlock, which is broadcast 14th of April 2007, written by Russell T. Davies and directed by Richard Clark, who directs the Lazarus Experiment in a couple of weeks' time. And then, like Charles Palmer last week, uh, takes a very long break and comes back for series six to direct The Doctor's Wife and Night Terrors. Um, I want to say as well that the what I was going to say is that this set design, like the city design uh apparently is heavily according to russell t davis it's heavily inspired by coruscant from attack of the clones and i guess phantom menace as well which you can definitely see like the star wars and a lot of this episode um but before we do anything else i just want to get the gist of this episode which is that the doctor and martha go to new new york um but they go to like the kind of the shady underside which is kind of all abandoned uh martha's kidnapped uh, by this couple who want to go to the fast lane on the motorway and you need three people to go there. Uh, the doctor commandeers a vehicle with a uh, pilot by Brannigan, um, who's a cat. Uh, doctor kind of goes through each car to get down to Martha and turns out that the macro had been set loose from New New York City Zoo. Uh, the face of Bo is there as well. And he and the doctor basically open the motorway up because all the people in the city are dead. Because this new drug called Bliss came out, and they all overdosed because it was so good. Um, the motorways opened up by the doctor in the face of Bo, who dies, but not before he tells the doctor that he is not alone. And then the doctor tells Martha, uh, "Everyone on my planet died." Uh, he gets very emotional. There's a very nice kind of emotional ending scene, and then it ends. Um, good episode, I think. Very timely for for us to talk about an episode where everyone is inside tight uh, quarters and locations because the air why? is bad, and if you why? go outside, you cough. What? Does I don't it, know. I'm just does, I'm just thinking about it. Did something happen or something? I, I, I don't I don't get it. Did, did something happen? 
Oh, he's talking about because it's springtime and we're oh, about to have a lot yeah. of pollen. In the air. Yeah, 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 yeah. Allergies, allergies. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, one thing that really caught me about this is that it's maybe like the most emotionally charged episode they've had so far. There's a lot of like kind of communal moments. And I like the sentimentality on on show for like most of the characters. I don't, don't think Russell's really the kind of like because like the Russell of the past wouldn't probably do like the old rugged cross scene where they're all singing and like the at the end when abide with, they also sing abide with me as well. Like that, feel, this feels like kind of t- a turning point in maybe how emotional this doctor will be and how open to you know the sense of unity the show will have um there's a great quote a lot really quote there's a great kind of thing in the confidential for this where russell talks about how much he loves when doctor who goes into like the idea of hope and how the doctor is like a symbol for hope for anyone he can like they come across and that he wanted to get that across in this episode that like the doctor is a symbol of hope which i think he does pretty well in this um yeah i guess I don't know. To go back a bit, like you, you mentioned that hymn that they all sing. What is that hymn? Uh, old Rugged Cross. Uh, uh, the Old Rugged Cross. Yeah. Which um, I got to say, when I saw it, I was like, this is the most British New York in the world. <laughs> but the Old Rugged Cross is an actual American song. So let's give him credit for that. Now, like we cannot skate past this point, especially since uh, I am coming to you from New York. Just the <laughs> first new. I'm not coming to you from regular York or York, Pennsylvania, for that matter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like there's only the news lady who who even bothers attempting an American accent, right? Yeah, everyone. Yes. everyone else is just either Irish or American. I mean, for starters, they're driving on the wrong side, too. So, and at no point, nobody goes like, it, it, it just kind of shows a little bit. I mean, Doctor Who's got this thing where it's like, lots of planets have a north. Why does everyone have a British accent? You know, we'd be here all day. If we, but but in this episode in particular, it is very egregious. Just how how they're like, oh, we're heading off for Brooklyn, are we? <laughs> like, you know, it's just like... They, it's and been that's a billion another, years. And that's another thing. Like, clearly they just like went to went to MapQuest because this was before the dominance of Google Maps. <laughs> and they just looked at the names of places in and around the city. And like I was trying to figure out, okay, so like they're trying to get to Brooklyn. The others are trying to get to Fire Island. Where the hell is this taking place? <laughs> Especially in relation to pharmacy town. <laughs> it's uh, don't you know Fire Island? That's uh, that's uh, that's right next to Firefest. Oh, timely reference there. Oh, please, you gotta give me. I mean, listen, this episode. No, is... Fire Island is a real place. Uh, out oh, on it Long is. Island. Yeah, out on Long <laughs> Island, it's a, it's a sort of like buffer island to the south of it. It's uh, it's basically one long strip of beach that goes on for a long way. You have to get there by ferry. It's notorious as a party spot in general. 
and a gay party spot in particular. In fact, later mm. this year, they're making a movie called Fire Island that is, to sort of bring this all back around, a gay retelling of Pride and Prejudice. Ooh. Ooh. Actually, that actually sounds really interesting. I gotta ask you, as a as a real bona fide New Yorker, um, is this is this plot of being stuck in your car relatable? No one drives in New York. It's the worst. That's what city I was thinking. For a story about everyone driving, <laughs> See, it, it, that's it would exactly make so what much I more sense if this was L.A. <laughs> that's what I thought. I was like, was as I was watching this thing, I wrote down a note where I was like. God, this story, you know, hits me at a deeper level because I hate cars and this is the thing I fear the most about cars. And I was writing it, I was thinking like, wait a second. Nobody drives in New York. Like, what is it? <laughs> it is such a like a, a oh, it's just New York, but it might as well be New London, which is, you know what? I, I, I agree that it's like <laughs> but oh, it, New it's, London, you mean in Connecticut? <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's it's so like disconnected. That I'm like, I'm angry that they didn't do the work, but I'm also like, I can't be that angry that they didn't do the work because it's new, 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 New York, where the where the drug peddlers, peddlers in the slums are Scottish and Irish, which and also they're kind know. of like they're about two thirds of the way to breaking into song. Oh yeah. <laughs> They're about to go like, wouldn't you like to split me? Beef? So, like, they're about to- <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're the Tenetiers. Yeah. <laughs> they're uh, five minutes away from the, the beggar woman from Sweetie Todd, <laughs> which is, you know, it's all fine because I feel like this story is all um, the real thing that kind of, you know, the real thing that has made this story timeless to a certain degree is that it, it, it's that we're still with this problem, like gridlock still is a problem to a certain degree, you know, I live in LA, so I regularly hear people complaining about the traffic and it's like, it's been, and to this day, I mean, we, you go on Twitter and you see people creaming themselves over Elon Musk who reinvented the subway, but only for one car. So it's like, to this day, we still have a problem with grid gridlock with traffic. And I guess that's kind of what made this story, you know, helps it survive a little bit more than I would say thinking about episodes you were on uh <laughs> them bringing britney spears and say here's a song from the from earth <laughs> and playing britney spears to the in the space station well like i do not think this is a story that is very concerned about traffic or gridlock and i think that's a good thing mm-hmm. yeah it's much more like you can tell this is written by someone who has had to spend a lot of time writing Doctor Who already because it's kind of a Doctor Who season in miniature. Like, yeah. every time the Doctor goes into a new car, and I like, by the way, how all the cars are identical and, like, shitty. Like, yeah. they're kind <laughs> of halfway between Hummers and whatever the square train from thomas the tank engine is mm -hmm. is it percy is it henry it's one of those two it's percy i think it's percy um, yeah it's percy. It percy yeah halfway between a hummer and percy yeah but anyway anytime he goes into one of those new cars he encounters a self a little self-enclosed world yeah. with all its own paradigms and its own dramas and he has his own agenda but he's gonna like stop to try to get the lay of the land and do what he can to help 
And mm-hmm. that's Doctor Who as a whole. Yeah. And, and just um, like I, Doctor Who as a whole, each car is teetering on the edge of stereotype, but just barely making it back. I mean, you've got really cheap degree, too. Yeah, you have, you have <laughs> the white car where there's a guy covered in white, and then a few cars With, later, it's the red car and it's the guy covered in red. And it's I'll, probably I'll point guy. out too something I noticed about the white car. Uh, that car, everything is covered in bubble wrap, and he has piles of toilet paper and what looks to be like a, a cleaning solution in the back, which again is like, this is the episode that has uh, the doctor put on a mask because it's too hard to breathe outside, which to me was just a lot of like, I mean, again, it, they were not thinking it's stupid to make a connection to COVID for this story, but also like the, the fact that you keep having to cut back to that claustrophobic little car and that Martha and the doctor are like, how do you guys live in these cars? And they're like, yeah, we'll just kind of make do. I've been living 12 years in this car and I move 20 hours a day. You know, it kind of threw me back to like April of 2020 where it was like, I would just get out of my bed and I would walk around in my room and I would get back into my bed. And that's about it. You know, the part that really rung the truest for me emotionally in relation to the pandemic is the very last car he gets into, and it's this guy in a pinstripe suit and a bowler hat who, like, immediately offers him some water, and you can tell that they wish he could have offered him a cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The 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 guy was like, I still have my manners. Nigel Farage is very Wednesday. <laughs> um I- by the way, did, I, I, gotta, <laughs> I, I have no idea how far this has spread, like in places more Nigel Farage as like did people see him saying memes on Cameo? I saw some of them, yeah, and I was like, I, I just I can't be giving this my time the time of my day. Um Do you know that I, Nigel Farage shows up in like a uh in a eleventh doctor comic? Do you know that I mean, uh, this is not a the no, whole no, 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 I did David, not. I in gotta tell context. <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> the doctor goes to a planet, um, and he meets a bunch of people who look like Nigel Farage or our clones, and they all say Britsit. They just start saying Britsit, and then one of the characters is like, they keep saying that, what does that mean? And the doctor's like, well, Britsit means Britsit, we can agree on that, and it's like, oh! So it's exactly <laughs> like the weird clone baby trump army from ant kind by charlie kaufman is what you're saying oh, i think i need to buy ant kind that is probably the greatest review of ant kind i could have ever received that is I not mean- a major element of ant kind but it i'm not even gonna so go so far as to say it's in there but that is within the pages i gotta watch i gotta read ant kind now uh you mm-hmm. just convinced me do you uh, think Charlie? Hold on, sorry, David. I know you you want to bring this to topic, but I gotta ask Adam. Do you think Charlie Kaufman knows about Doctor Who? Oh, of course. He's he's read too much <laughs> to know. <laughs> uh, um, I got I got to say Tom Baker. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I gotta say two things. One, we gotta roll the tape back because the square train Thomas is called Toby. Ooh, yeah, Percy. It's been Percy's so many a, years. The green train. Uh, Wait, no, two. Percy is the green one, right? Yeah. He's the green one with the, with the big stovepipe. Um, mm. Two, it's interesting about the pandemic because this is 
one thing I want to talk about, the Hiram will talk about now, that there are two sequels to this. One is a big finish box that I have that I haven't listened to yet. Um, oh, fucking course. It's a big finish um, box set. Where Novice Haim, it's basically like, uh, not so much the X-Files, it's, it's kind of like NCIS, but with like Novice Haim leading the, leading the team of New Earth people. Um, the 10th Doctor shows up, but he's played by an impressionist because they couldn't get tenant to come to it. But the other one is when they're doing these pandemic watch-alongs, they did a, a one for Gridlock, and Russell famously was writing new material for each episode uh, that involved him. And he wrote one for this, where Novice Haim is on her deathbed, and the 10th Doctor comes to visit her. Um, it's not. It's animated, it's on YouTube, I think, um, and it's worth watching. When does he come to visit her? As she's dying, it's like she's like dying. No, he. The tenth doctor. Presumably, this is like decades later for him. This is for her, and like at some point between episodes for him. I think it might be his big farewell. Um, Oh fuck God! Look, look, okay. There's like so many. The longest fucking (laughs) tour, though. Like they're gonna put a fucking box set out called the Goodbye (laughs) Tour. Just fucking (laughs) stories with the tenth doctor. That I mean, ten seconds stretch. This is a bit of a spoiler for you, Michelle, but in the 11th Doctor episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures, he reveals that when he was doing his like, big goodbye, he went like back through all his like, companions because he went, he didn't see Joe Grant when she was like in the Amazon or whatever. With uh, oh. yeah, I, I want what I want to talk about. Um, it kind of leads us into the face of Bull. Is I don't know if either of you are aware that like Russell ac- accidentally set up. This entire episode, uh, like years in advance. In oh, tell two- me more. So, in two thousand five, we get this book. This is an incredible book that I recommend. Um, if you're a listener who has kids who wants to get them to Doctor Who, buy them this book. Um, it's called Monsters and, the- and Villains. Um, is it? <laughs> yeah, Monsters and Villains. It came out two thousand five. It's like a reference book of classic monsters, that and and. Series one monsters at the time, um, that like goes through like each of their episodes. What makes them whatever? Like has like a summary of the episode, um, all this like concept art and stuff. It it got me into classic who, um, but for the face of the face of Bo has an entry in it, um, written by Russell called um, it's not I think it's just it's just whatever. It's a translation of a writer called J B Dane, who is a obviously an invention. Um, and it reads, Legend has it that the face of Bo should die one day, then the sky will crack asunder, and it is said that he holds one uh, final secret, that he, was, um, that he will speak the secret with his final breath to one person and one person alone, a homeless wandering traveller. Um, R- R- Justin Richards... What were contact- the two other people there? Chopped liver? <laughs> oh, you're right! You're absolutely right. It's just, uh, it's just like it. how in Star Trek V, Kirk says, I have always known I'll die alone. <laughs> and then when he dies, Picard's there. Um, so, like, Russell wrote that in, like, an afternoon, handed it in, went off, did his job. Uh, Justin Richards, who's a script editor on the show, but also edited this book, got in touch with him as he was reading this the script. He said, you know... The thing you wrote in like half an hour, uh, you kind of just wrote that into the script because the sky cracked asunder, the the motorway opened up, all the people rose out. Russell's like, "Oh yeah, that's interesting." Okay, um, 
in 2006, the Doctor Who annual, um, he actually, he actually reveals the final secret of the face of Bo before the episode goes out. Uh, the trick called Meet the Doctor that Russell wrote as well. And there's a passage in it that reads, Far away across the universe on the planet Kraif Tekhedra, one side of a mountain carries carvings and hieroglyphs. The artwork shows two races clashing, one metal, one flesh, a fearsome explosion, and a solitary survivor walking from the wreckage. Solitary? Perhaps not. Under this figure, a phrase has been scratched into the stone, which translates as, you are not alone. So he's basically incepted this whole thing. But I also guess that, like, Michelle, you know as well as I do that uh, he plans ahead by an absolutely astronomical degree. Yeah. Like, talk the fame, especially, have been in play since like, 2003. Um, I have expected Talk of the Fane to be on the first episode of the 14th Doctor, uh, <laughs> just because we've kind of built up to that so more. So more. I mean, can we talk about the face of Bo? Because as, as you were talking about the face of Bo, you mentioned um, that the book talks about classic monsters. And I realized, I remember that this episode has a classic monster, yes. right? Well, it the has macra, the macra. The macra but it has okay. I can actually talk about that as well. The plan originally was there were he had two two things in mind. One was a giant uh, lizard like Godzilla, and the other was a giant octopus. And then, as far as I know, it came to giant crabs, and he was like, "Wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be a cute idea if we t- took a classic monster no one's really heard of beyond like diehard fans, and we just brought that back." And so they permit the macro. But what they also do is in the macro terror, which is has been animated since it's a good animation. Uh, I recommend people watch it. Um, the macro are capable of speaking. They're capable of like they're manipulating the, like a, a human colony. So they're not like mindless crabs that like they are here. Um, but what he, like what he does there is he just he, he kind of edits it to be you know these kind of mindless creatures. I think it works well. I think it's a fun idea to like go that drastically in one direction with like a, an obscure monster. It's kind of one thing I wish to show them more of, which is like just bring back these these things that no one's heard of. Put your own spin on them. I know he wanted to do a sequel to a fourth Doctor story called Image of the Fendel. He said that he kind of he wishes he'd done something like that. I think he should have. I think he will. Um, but it's an interesting thing. And going back to the face of Bo, I think it's an interesting kind of, I don't know if the, like the face of Bo here, because I know the face of Bo was meant to die in New Earth. And then they were like, it's a bit too dark to have Cassandra die and then have the face of Bo die. So maybe bring him back in another episode. But he also kind of feels a bit just kind of like plonked into this in the way that kind of just feels a bit awkward. I don't know. Um yeah, I don't know about you. I, mean, uh, I would agree with that, but I don't know about you, Adam. I want to know what you think because uh, I also think it was very much like this episode is going in one direction, and then the last like 30, 13 minutes. I mean, sure, the face of Bo showed up at the beginning, but the last thirteen minutes are just kind of like, like <laughs> to bring a car-, car metaphor. It's like it suddenly skids to the left. It takes a completely different path. I wasn't too unhappy with it because. It did feel thematically consistent with the rest of the episode. The, mm-hmm. Like uh, all all this time, we were 
like uh, the actual important people in their cars, like it's all about how they have each other. They have their sort of hopes for the future. They all have the reason they got on the motorway. And then, yeah, by the way, it's called, not called a motorway here. It's called Oh, yeah, highway. that's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and while I'm at it, like, speaking of U- U.S. things that U.K. people might not immediately think of, your U.S. Doctor Who episode, gentlemen. Uh-huh. Like, uh, there were a couple times there when you or Nathan said that, like, you wished you had someone who knew how American TV worked. Like, well, speaking... Hello. Can I just say, before you, sorry, before you go, I just want to say the one thing I wish we could go back and change is Jack Lemmon. The more I think about Jack Lemmon, that's the one I think it does not make sense within the context of the time because he's too popular by then to do a TV show. But other than that, I I would say my issues start way, way before that because, like, to be blunt, like, American TV costs money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like like the BB the BBC like Doctor Who was able to get away for so long doing what it did because it was so cheap and an American primetime TV show like the reason there have never been American shows that last as long as Doctor Who on primetime unless they're animated is because eventually the actors can't do it anymore. And like whenever they've tried to change the focal actor, like people don't accept it. And what I initially thought you were going to be proposing is to have Doctor Who essentially be like Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, like really go into the other direction of the original pitch for the show and make it fully educational, this like, PBS public broadcasting station mainstay that went on for years and years and taught kids through sci-fi adventures because I think that is plausible. You are absolutely right. I mean, we did try to have our cake and eat it too. We did commit mm-hmm. the, the sin that most of these fan casts did, which is like we just wanted to see what American actors would be cool in uh, yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah, but, uh, Charles Broden, especially. Like, <laughs> American actors are on Sesame Street and those kinds of shows mm-hmm. all right. the time. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, when I was, like, two or three, I was watching Bill Irwin on Elmo. Great guy. By the way, he and, should and be. And Michael Jeter time. as his brother, lest we forget. Oh, Rest absolutely. in peace, Michael Jeter. Yeah, rest in peace. Uh, I do agree with you, and I think... A part of me really wants to just like go to the um, the LA Library and just rent out as many books on TV production in in the forties and fifties as possible, and just like find the version of Doctor Who that is for American TV shows. Because because like we cited the thing that's really funny is that we cited Star Trek and Twilight Zone, but those are two shows known for being canceled after the third. Like they were gone after three seasons. They were and not that gonna third fit. season sucked because yeah, it was absolutely. running out of gas already. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like there have not there has not been something as long running. But I feel like the closest we got to that Doctor Who length we got, I say America got, were the syndicated adventure shows of the nineties. I mean, if you think about like Hercules and Xena, that was like the closest the, the American TV got to something like that because those went on for like nine, ten seasons. 
you know? And, and like the difference between those is like when they couldn't do it anymore, what they did instead is like hire instead of hiring a new Xena or initially hiring a new Hercules is they then made the Xena show and that went on instead. Yeah. They would have done like three years of Doctor Who and then whoever you had like Red Fox or Robin Williams, like your choices were good, by the way, they would have gotten bored and they would have started a spinoff about someone else. The thing I do, I do consider is that you are right that whenever people try to change the the focal point of the TV show, everybody flocks away. But a part of me wonders the like, sure, Doctor Who had the BBC backing, but they managed to get away with it and they managed to teach their audience to expect that shift. Like the fact is that like they did it in the 60s and they did it immediately go get canceled. Even if they did have the BBC backing, that was still like a gamble. Because so it was a kids' show, they yeah. got a new Elmo, and no one complained. <laughs> but the but Elmo is that's I think that's different, you know, because Elmo is a is a yeah, character. Right. Yeah, it's a puppet, and I feel like only we know who, who who the two different performers of Elmo are, the different performers of Ernie and, and Bert, and all that. You know, it'd be kind of like I think the comparison would be if you kind of like instead of killing off the character of Doc Hopper, is it not Doc Hopper? Just get the character of Doc. They just switched, had a new guy come in and say, I'm Doc, you know? And the thing wait, is, they wait, didn't wait, do that. Which Doc? Who's From this? Sesame Street. Uh, isn't it Doc? What's his name? The guy who had the bird seed milkshakes and he died and they had Big Bird learn about Mr. his death. Mr. Hooper? Mr. Hooper. That's why I said Doc Hopper, because I was thinking of the <laughs> Muppet movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Hooper, yeah. That would be like if instead of killing off the character, they brought somebody in as Mr. Hooper, which I think wouldn't have worked because, you know, it would have just been weird. Kids would have been like, what's going on? <laughs> Mr. Hooper can't regenerate. Uh, but but you are absolutely right. Although maybe we should we should split the deal and say that Doctor Who in America is a 13 season CW show. <laughs> That refused to get canceled, <laughs> and they try to do th- th- five spinoffs, and none of them get picked up. They try to do seven. It's that's what Doctor Who in America is. Well, like that's mm. what it is in America in real life, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> God, um, God bless Supernatural. Never gonna so watch gridlock. it. Gridlock. Yes, gridlock. It's a gridlock. I will, um, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I had something to say, which is. Um, I have a couple of questions. Is it ever implied or connected that bliss is the result of the doctor's actions in New Earth? No, um, and I don't think they dare go go that far at this point. Even the even though like series one finale is because series one the series one finale is them being like the doctor messing about in the long game caused the Dalek Empire. Yes, but I, I don't think here they're they're gonna they're willing to make that connection. I think if they did, it, it would maybe bring down the episode a bit because it's such an episode about like holding a hope and holding out like memories of, of like having like hope and like persevering is like such a theme in this episode. I think having that kind of thrown in would maybe kind of knock it one way. Uh, and they probably w- wouldn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The fact that it ended up being about drugs feels so weird and random it does it does it does yeah. it when the doctor was like when i come back i'm gonna shut down this street i'm like what did they do because uh, i mean <laughs> it's clearly not that bad 
You know, I mean, I, I don't know how to explain. They just kind of have those patches be a thing. And then it's like, okay, you put a patch and you feel a thing. And then at the end, it's like, but they, this one patch made them all die. And you're like, you know, it's kind of ill-defined. It's kind of muddy. And it feels so like a little bit out of place. And what is ostensibly a very tight-knit, you know, very good episode. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, I need to leave for like two minutes. I'll be back very quickly. Absolutely. I'll okay. use this moment to uh, put up a theory of mine, which is that Martha, she turns off the power of the... She asks them to turn off the power of the car. Mm-hmm. And then she says, I saw this in a film. Now, my theory is, was that film The Matrix? You know, you're saying this is a theory, um, and I wasn't able to corroborate this, but I am. I did read that, that it is a it is a reference to the Matrix, okay, which be- is fun. Yeah, because she's a, she's now a Wachowski uh, stock yeah. player. But also, it is. By the way, I love that that the Wachowskis have stock players. We should go back to that. You know, we should go back to that. Like, I feel like Robert Eggers is the only one who has it because Willem Dafoe is in all his movies. You know, I mean, a Wes Anderson too. And the uh, yeah, and the Coens kind of have that as well, yeah. Because um, your man Harry Melling is in most of the, like most of their new ones, yeah. Um, but uh, okay, but okay, also, yeah, I'm, I'm back. I'm back. Thank you. There's a much more straightforward reference to Matrix, which is the moment where they all go up into the sky. I mean, that reminded me of the moment in Matrix, uh, the third one. What is it called? What's the third one called? Revolutions. Yes, is it revolution. Yeah. yeah, where they go over the the clouds and they see the sun for the first time and it it felt like a very I mean I don't think it was on purpose I think it's very accidental but considering that they had a reference to the matrix earlier in the episode I found it very very interesting mm-hmm. you know th- those are two these are two stories ostensibly about humans living in a constant grinding wheel thinking that like oh you know there's sky out there and there's a beautiful world out there and then they find out that actually it's all fake you know, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the day, they go see the real world. Yeah. Um, speaking of movies, um, I just want to fire off some cast info at you, uh, like a Gatling gun, um, much like uh, Neo fighting that army of Agent Smiths. Uh, you two are yes. Neo, and I and I am Agent Smith for firing information. Have either of you seen Small Axe, the uh, Steve McQueen Amazon a series of films that came out like two years ago. I've only seen Lover's Rock. Okay. Um, Michelle, have you seen any Small Axe? No, I have not. Sorry. Okay. Well, the Mangrove, which is the first one, the guy in Mangrove uh, um, in real life is the father of Lenora Critchlow, who plays uh, Jean, the one of the hijackers in this. Um, she's also in Morbius this year, which... Exciting times. No, I, know, no. I know her from Black Mirror. She I know her from Avenue. Yeah. I know her from Avenue Five. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, wait, from that's Avenue her 5? on Avenue Five. That's oh. her. That she's the engineer, right? That's what when I saw. Yeah, her, she's I was Billy. Like, Where do I know her from? And it took me a second, but I remember it's Avenue Five. She's Billy. Um, also in this episode, um, we have Jennifer Hennessy as Valerie, who will. We'll encounter her again, Michelle, in about three years' time. Do you know where we'll encounter her again? No, where? She plays Bill's stepmother, or foster mother, sorry, in um in series 10. She's oh, in wow. Um, we have Strew and Roger as the face of Bo. We'll see him again. 
he's in uh, The Woman Who Lived and Spyfall. So he's one of the only, only actors who spanned all three showrunners. Um, he's also he's also the the first actor to play the three eyed raven in Game of Thrones before uh, Max von Sydow took the role over from him. I think um, we're gonna say we're gonna see him again in uh, Utopia as <laughs> well, he John Barrowman. <laughs> he plays um, the Kasavin, the shiny feathers in Spyfall. Um, I'm gonna pretend Ro- I know what that is. Uh, oh, right, right, right. I remember it. I remember it. Um, who else we have? We have uh, Travis My- Oliver as Milo, who his kind of biggest claim to fame is that he's in Me and Orson Welles, the Richard Linklater film, as well as, uh, along with fellow Doctor Who actors Paul McGann and James Corden, he's in uh, Lesbian Vampire Killers, uh, a film James Corden vehemently denies being part of, more or less. Um, and Arlo Hanlon is Brannigan, um, famously in Father Ted. Uh, he had hoped he was going to play a bad guy because he, he, he was familiar with the show. He wanted to play a bad guy, so he got to play Brannigan. Um, he has since been on... He was since part of um, Cucumber, which is the other Russell T. Davies show that he made after this in between like Great British Scandal and... Uh, it's a sin. So the cucumbers one, the big ones he made, um, uh, making uh, making New New York is one thing. Calling a character in New New York Brannigan is quite another. <laughs> Apparently, he was going. He was always written to be Irish, um, which is why Arlo O'Hanlon was cast, and he's inspired by this is this is a small world kind of thing. He's inspired by a children's character called Rats who was a CGI cat who wore flying goggles, who appeared in Lincoln segments for children's shows on the BBC from 1994 until some point. But he appeared on a show called Live and Kicking. Rats did. Uh, Live and Kicking famously presented briefly, I think, by John Barrowman. So, you know, it's it's kind of all connected. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't you have anything else to say about this one beyond it's good and i i do i have a question to all of you mm-hmm. what do you think happened to the face of bow prop uh it's probably disintegrated by now to quite honest with you all right i'm going to silence please <laughs> f <laughs> f in the chat for the face of bow prop f for the face of bow do you think do you think orson wells ever heard about doctor who before he died uh i doubt it he was probably too busy adam yeah he did spend a lot of time in Europe. That's why I'm thinking. Do you think he at any point was like at a hotel <laughs> having a meal? It was like, can you turn on the television? And well, I mean, John Pertwee was doing something. <laughs> was like, like hmm. I, I'm, I, if he heard about it, he didn't care. Yeah, I think <laughs> he was probably too busy thinking about like I don't know, Elmer the Hore or something. Um, or how to f- uh, <laughs> or how to fund this movie? Listen, I just like the image of like. I mean, he died in eighty five, right? Uh, was, it was eighty five or eighty six. The Transformers movie was eighty six. Yeah, eighty five. No, he died in eighty five, but uh, Transformers was posthumous. Okay. Yeah, that, that's that's fucked up to think of. <laughs> it is. This is like. I mean, it was that and the what's it? What was it? And the moonlighting episode, which he introduces. You know. 
the the no art no nobody knows about that but listen no, I, know, I know about it oh, like okay. david and maddie <laughs> that's why i'm thinking you know i just like to imagine that like peter davidson got told hey orson wells saw your episode it's like where's orson wells <laughs> I, yeah, I he, don't we, think he would have told anyone about what he saw. <laughs> he was a closeted fan. He was only he was a <laughs> he, he, he he didn't tell you what he's been watching since Hard Note. It's like I don't want anyone to know. He's he only told Peter Bogdanovich. He was like, why would he not want anything to know? It anything? Why would he yeah. not want anyone to know any opinion he had? He's always actually you're absolutely right. You were absolutely right. If he did watch Doctor Who, he would have been he would have been complaining about them recasting Hard No, as it happened. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you th- do you think if he went back in time and told him he was in the Big Finish audio, he'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking?" I about? think he would try to think? live longer just to wait. Wait, to is, stop that wait, from wait isn't Orson Welles a character in a Big Finish? Yeah, There's, yeah. It's a, an eighth Doctor it, audio. It's a Word of the Worlds Vader. thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Mars. Yeah. It's called. Um, no. Where, you wanna, hold on. Yeah. Hold on, David. Do you want to guess which other well-known? This is not like a known for oh, yeah. nerds. Like actual well-known British actor is in that episode. Is in that Big Finish audio. Hmm. Like when did it come out? It came out two thousand and uh, uh two. Yeah. Cumberbatch. No, I'm going to give you a hint. Okay, this person has... He's not that well-known, but he's well-known. This person has been in all... In, like, Star Wars, Star Trek. He's been, like... He's big. Peg? Yeah, you're right, Simon Peg. Who portrays... Peg plays a gangster. He plays a gangster doing a a, a Brooklyn accent. He also says... I think he he says the the, the F word that runs with uh, rag... Oh point, yeah, he does. Which yeah. uh, just gets you out of nowhere. Talking about yeah. cigarettes? Yeah, I yeah. wish. But oh, uh, well. that episode as a whole uh, is Mark very yeah. yeah that, written by Mark Gatiss. Yeah, written by um, Mark Gatiss. Absolutely right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Listen, I, we we've been talking about in the previous episodes about when the Beatles episode is happening, but the real question is. <laughs> When's the Orson Welles episode happening? Like, <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio is not going to be around for much longer. We got to get him on. Are you Jody kidding? Whittaker's- like, he's he's spry. He's got plenty of spring in his step. Michelle, you famous about Woody Harrison? Not Woody Harrison. Uh, William Hartnell was like, what? No, no he, was it Woody Harrison you thought was older than William Hartnell? He was Woody Harrison, yes. I'm not good with um, ages with people. You're absolutely that's, right. That's pretty, it's just that yeah, it's just that Onofrio, I see that he's bald, and in my head, I'm make him older than he actually is. Like, a game. He's uh, not even bald. He, he just shaved his head to play a bald character. Ugh, I'm sorry. Michelle, how, Have how you old seen do you the, think him in is. the new Magnificent Seven? He's got a magnificent, pun intended, head of hair and beard. <laughs> I'm go- I'm looking it up now, and you're right. He does. He's uh, six, some how old do you think he is? How old do you think uh, he is, Michelle? Uh, D'Onofrio? Yeah. 69? He's 62. Okay. Well, I'm close. See, I was close. 63 this June. Um, if there's nothing else to say, we'll move on to our special game this week. Yeah, sure, the final thing. Play. Well, yeah, sorry. I, I just want to mention that, like, the, the whole drug parable that feels really out of nowhere, especially since it seems to be, like, the most pointed social commentary in the entire episode since this was obviously 15 years before it all became relevant. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
and like it, it feels so incongruous with everything else. Like, oh, like people use drugs so much they turned into skeletons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, actually, that is a good point. How does that happen? Whatever. Uh, no, no, like they mentioned, like it wasn't the drug that killed people. The drug mutated into a virus that killed yeah. everyone, so it then died. Oh, man, it's just it's it's. I don't even know what it what it's doing. It's kind of like last week where the Karenites were like, "We came to your world because William Shakespeare was sad, and then that opened a portal in our dimension that we got through." It's just one of those weird kind of like, I don't even know like where this is coming from. Um, if we are going to do the game, I just want to know as well that uh, during this episode, I think was it when this episode went out? Let me check. No, when this episode's been made, uh, Battles in Time was launched to the public, um, which fits nicely into our game, which is Battles in Time. Um, I'll explain this to Adam. Adam, this is basically like Top Trumps, only the BBC had a hand in putting it out. Um, I have a collection of of trading cards which have stats on them for characters and whatnot. And what I want you to do is I'm going to give you two characters from these cards and I'll read out what the stats are because they're, they're, they're very specific stats and you have to guess who Wait, is the so, higher so stat. I'm supposed to take Doctor Who characters and reverse engineer how they'd be as Pokemon? Basically. Yes. Um, I'll give you an example. We're not gonna, I, I won't use Sally Calypso, which, by the way, Sally Calypso, the person who plays Sally Calypso in this, from what I can gather, has not been was not anything before this and has not been anything since this. I assume there was someone card. using another name for some reason. Yeah. Or I an think actual hologram. The... I mean, yeah. <laughs> hologram technology. You can't find anyone who can do a halfway decent American <laughs> accent because we just have to use Simone technology. <laughs> we, honestly, if Everyone you told loves me. jokes about the movie Simone. <laughs> If you told me that the UK would rather build an artificial intelligence instead of hiring an American actor, I would totally believe you. Um, but to give an example, Cyclipso, um, so the five, the five stats are intelligence, agility, stamina, special abilities, and fear factor. All her stats are 100 um, for some reason, it's just gonna. Ooh, I don't know, gonna what, what's the scale? What's the range? Um, well, some of them are like the the average one will be in like the like the maybe the four thousand three thousand range. Um, some of them have very high fear factors for some reason. Some of them don't. Um, Michelle, you can go first. Just give Adam an example. Of mm-hmm. how it goes. So the two characters I'm giving you, Michelle, for the, this three rounds. So this first round, I'm giving you. Um, Pharmacist number two. Yes. And new New York businessman, or as we call him, Nigel Farage. Um, so pharmacist number two, uh, the, her card reads, one of the pharmacists who didn't think there was anything wrong in selling moods to people of new New York. Uh, they, the card for the businessman calls him a, a dapper driver who didn't forget his manners when the doctor dropped by. He served up a glass of water. Okay, so of these two, who has the higher? Uh, let's see, who has the higher agility? Is it pharmacist number two, or is it New New York businessman? New New York businessman. 
New York businessman has an agility of 3,900. Pharmacist number two has an agility stat of 4,100. So you have lost that round, my friend. Okay. Adam. I'm going to give you... Let's see. I'm going to give you... This is going to be an interesting one to figure out. Um... You have face of bow in brackets saving new New York and face of bow in brackets dying. <laughs> now, you may, now you may think these have the same stats. Face of bow dying, <laughs> I choose you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you may think they have the same stats and for the most part you'll be right. They have identical stats for all but two categories. So I'm going to ask you who has the higher special ability stat? Face of Bow Saving New New York or Face of Bow Dying? I'm going to say Saving New New York. You are right. Face of Bow Dying has 100 for special abilities and Saving New York has um, an eye-watering 8,200. Uh, well, yeah, like saving New New York. That is the special ability. You can't deny it. Michelle, mm-hmm. you have... It's going to be uh, Get Your Claws Out. It's a cat fight. We have um, Novice Haim. Uh, for some reason, it says in, oh yeah, Novice Haim and um, Thomas Kincaid Brannigan. Now, my Brannigan card, for some reason, is shiny. Um, I have no idea why. Uh, it's a rare card, apparently, which, you know, who would have thunk it? Um, who of the two cat people has the higher intelligence? Is it Novice Haim or is it Brannigan? Novice Haim. Novice Haim has 6,600 and Brannigan has 2,700. Um, but for some reason, I'm trying to for some reason, uh, Novice Haim has a ridiculously high fear factor. I don't know why. Um, let's see. Adam, I'm going to play two lovers against you. Uh, Cheen and Milo, the drivers of the car. Who has the higher... Hmm. Who has... Okay, this is kind of weird. Who has the higher fear factor of Cheen and Milo? Milo, he's an idiot when he's driving. You would think. It seems kind of weird that Cheen has the higher fear factor of the two by 100 points. She's 3,000. He's 2,900. There's something going on there that I don't want to get into. That seems a bit... Imagine being paid to come up with all these. (laughs) What a dream, right? What no, a dream. It sounds <laughs> awful. No, I would love to do that. <laughs> well, Michelle, for the last round for you, um, you have Macro 1 against Macro 2. <laughs> I'm just not rhyming this one. I don't know why. Um, who do you think of Macro 1? Okay, this is actually just this, this is where the person getting paid to do this is just like, I don't know, just throw a number on there. Who has the higher um, agility of Macro 1 and Macro 2? Uh huh. Agility uh, stats. Who's there? Two. 
Macro two is higher, yeah. But what what, what I wanna when I want it's six thousand three hundred JLT uh, Macro one is a JLT six thousand one hundred. What I want to go through is that Macro two and Macro one. Basically, someone's has gone through and being like, okay, Macro one is smarter. Oh no, Macro two is more agile. Um, Macro two is also has higher stamina. Uh, Macro one has higher special abilities, and then Macro one is also scarier apparently. Um, they're both just crabs. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, finally, Adam, you have Pale Woman, who is the woman who comes in and gets forget because uh, her parents are on the motorway, which I wonder how she feels if the parents got out and they go find her and she's just like, who the hell are you? Uh, and you have Martha Jones in brackets, mood patched. Uh, so Martha, when she's drugged, and pale woman when she's forgotten her parents. Who has the higher uh, intelligence? Martha. Martha has a higher intelligence. Uh, she's got 7,600 intelligence, and uh, pale woman has 3,300. 3, uh, for some reason, I don't want to get into this again, Martha... Mood patched has a fear factor of two thousand one hundred. The pale woman has a fear factor of one thousand two hundred. I'm not sure where they're getting these stats from. It's because it's scarier um, to see a companion get drugged and knocked out. I guess. Yeah. Probably. Hey, yeah. before we all go, do you guys remember when there was that rumor that they were going to make another? Um, that they were going to make a. God damn it. It was like an animated Doctor Who show with the fourth Doctor. Novana, and like the, there was like a Novana rumor from like the eighties. Where no, I'm no. pretty sure. Am I mistaking that? For am I thinking of that? But I think, I think you are. <laughs> oh, I think I am. I'm sorry. Are you thinking of the Richard E. Grant thing? Yeah, Extreme, I think the so. Shalka, which they made in two thousand three, and then uh, they won't make any more of because apparently. Uh, Someone asked Nick Briggs if they'll ever do like a big finish of Scream the Shelka, and he was like, I, I despise Scream the Shelka, so no. So, rest in peace, Shelka Doctor. Uh, Nick Briggs can never do an impression of you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, that would be funny. Uh, um, I don't know if we're done, uh, and if we are done, uh, well, first, next time. What does that mean? We are the only four Daleks in existence, so the species must evolve a life outside the shell. The children of Scarrow must walk again.
your future. Not be the clip. Uh, and secondly, Adam, is there anything you want to plug before I move into general plugs? Nah, I'm good. Glad to be okay. here. <laughs> We're all Very glad having... to be. Yeah, we avoided the macro in our little car. Um, actually, I do want to say that that the kind of weird bash creature that gets killed in this uh, great like one-off monster makeup. Um, same for like, the American pastoral. Uh, Cold open couple. That's a fun little gag they do. Um, I want to ask you, Michelle, about something. I want you to give me your honest and complete answer. Okay. Yes. That crab claws joke. Did that? Do you think I could? I could make a living out of out of doing that kind of stuff. I think you could. Really, you think I could. Um, that's good. Other than that. Do you think I could find podcasts about like anything else anywhere in general? Yes, you can find a lot of podcasts about a lot. Let me do that again. Yes, you can find several podcasts about pop culture and other subjects at FriendlyMush.com. That's FriendlyMush.com. There you can find podcasts like Potter Who Cast, as well as the (coughs) The Condensed Truth and Essential X-Files podcast, and Heavy Metal, a podcast about Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, where are you? Um, it's funny, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm say this earlier on. You were talking about like how there's no American actors in this. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's because they zip all the budget on next week. Where oh, yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. it's all these UK-based uh, American actors and Andrew Garfield. Um, but yeah, if that's, if that's about it, I'd say we're... Uh, did, anyone, did anyone hear that? There's like a... Because we're we're in the, we're in the Potter Who Cast car right now. We're we're we've been recording. We've been doing like donuts around this kind of foggy area, and there's like a weird kind of like like kind of snickering outside, like like crab claw or something. Yeah, we've been do- if, doing donuts between Mount Vernon and Whitestone. <laughs> the joke oh is God. that those two places are completely separate, and they're <laughs> on opposite ends of the city, more or less. There's something, but but. But worse than that, worse than that, guys, there's something down there in the fog, and that something is a giant enemy crab. It's after massive damage. Also, I forgot to, I forgot to say something. But this, is our, this is our farewell. The, the line, you are not alone, is so ridiculously vague that, like, I don't understand how he thinks that that means that, like, there's another Time Lord, because it's, it's just kind of like a general, like, you know, listen up, buddy, hang in there, you're not alone kind of thing but anyway you are not alone if, if, you just listen. if, a, if you're if your magical myth arc lines for the season are the same as a song from dear evan hansen it's not specific enough uh, we should go with that song we should um sorry yeah, about that you're, Adam. You're, you're, yeah. <laughs> um doctor you are waiting through a window. <laughs> it's not called that. It's like watching waving through, through a window. Wave, wait. Waving through. That's why. That's how he says it. Hey, um, doctor. Let's hold sincerely, me. <laughs> let's let's hold up for a minute because uh, there's apparently uh, embargoed news dropping in one minute, and Ooh. if it's big news, I'm like, Mike. Uh, apparently, as far as I know, it's just going to be a, a promo image from the. Uh, you never the know. This could okay, be so it. This could be the announcement. Hugh Grant, surprise! It was a misdirect. 
What? Chris did, Marshall. Did Chris anyone Marshall. who knows about Doctor Who believe that for a goddamn no, second? No, nobody believed no. that. But they were like, it's going to be huge. AV Club posted it, and I was like... <laughs> you gotta get those clicks. And then Hugh Grant was like, no, um, uh, nothing's dropped. And on, um, no one's tweeting. I'm going off Twitter. Yeah, yeah okay, nothing's happened. Um, well, <laughs> uh, call call Geraldo because we just opened Al Capone's. Oh, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's promo pictures from Legends of the Sea Devils. Uh, which, yeah, that's fine. We, we, we do love our promo pictures. Um, Ooh, when is that coming out? Uh, apparently, the director said it's going to come out in Easter, which is April Jesus 17th. Jesus Christ, just give it to me already. <laughs> uh, or, yeah, but anyway, you, you probably won't hear this because I, uh, I don't want to have it like Geraldo's vault. It will have gone out. Um, that's about it. End of it. Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear? Like you could fall and no one would hear? Well, let that lonely feeling wash away Maybe there's a reason to believe you'll be okay Cause when you don't feel strong enough to stand You can reach, reach out your hand And oh, someone will come running And I know they'll take you home Even when the dark comes crashing through When you need a friend to carry you And when you're broken on the ground You will be found So let the sun come streaming in Cause you'll reach up and you'll rise again Lift your head and 